to We Watch, We Collect podcast episode number 24. I'm joined by a very special guest. I'm joined by the manager of media relations for the Albuquerque Isotopes, Forrest Stolting. How you doing today, Forrest? Doing great, Chris. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk some baseball with you, man. Yeah, man. I mean, it's uh, it's great to have you on because this is not obviously our first meeting. Like, we've mm-hmm. not, we work together, but I mean, we're around the same ballpark together. Like, Every single day, pretty much. We're around the same players. You're, you stop by the clubhouse. We chat baseball. We chat everything. Like, it's, it's, it's sweet. So, uh, very thankful for you to come on podcast talk some baseball because i know you've got some insight you've got a baseball iq that's way up there oh, i appreciate I, I, that I, I, I realized that the first like the first moment i was like okay this dude's iq is up there so i appreciate that man Means a lot. i definitely spent my time at a, a lot of diamonds over the years so yeah i mean i mean well now since you mentioned that let's get into it i mean what brought you to albuquerque isotopes because this is your first season with them correct it is yeah so obviously I have a dream of working in the major leagues one day, um, and uh, my career path was, this was the best fit for me to kind of help attain that dream. Um, so I grew up playing baseball my entire life. Uh, I was a catcher my entire life. Um, so I kind of had that mentality of what a coach would have or kind of see the game through a scout's lens as well, not just a player's lens. So I kind of grew up with that kind of viewpoint. Um, played club baseball at Furman. Uh, which is a small liberal arts school in Greenville, South Carolina, where I'm from. Oh, okay. Um, uh, when I realized I wasn't really good enough to play at a high level, <laughs> I was like, I want to be in the game somehow. And uh, I enjoyed writing and reading and listening about baseball. And so I figured the next best thing was to try to either become a sports writer in baseball or become uh, on the PR side. And so I kind of, at Furman, I did both PR for the athletic department there, I wrote for newspapers in Greenville and at Furman. Got my first internship at the Greenville Drive in 2016. Worked with them for a couple of years. I uh, got an internship with the uh, Oklahoma City Dodgers, the AAA affiliate for the, the LA Dodgers. Yep. Went on to work for the Arizona Fall League, which, in my opinion, Major League Baseball is the best, the premier league in all of baseball. Like, Because yep. everybody's mixed in. It's all the top, all the top prospects. Yep. It's so laid back. You don't have the crowds of spring training. You don't have all the theatrics of minor league baseball. It's just pure and to the point baseball. Um, it's so much fun to watch because the players, yeah, it's, it's after their season ended, but they want to impress the other guys that they're going up against, some other top prospects yeah. in baseball. So it's kind of a, like a melting pot of what the major leagues will be like in a couple of years. So if yeah. you ever have a chance to go to the Arizona Fall League, I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, that's that's one of my things I really want to do. Of course, like I really would love to go to Florida one day and catch Red Sox for mm-hmm. spring training. But Arizona Folly, because everyone's so mixed in, everyone's making friends from other teams, it's just like, damn, like that would be so cool. It's fun, yeah, because you have there's six teams in Arizona Fall League, and each team is represented by five major league organizations, and they have around like seven to eight players on each team from each organization. So you have Red Sox, you have Pirates, you have all kinds of players mixing from different organizations, and um, you have much better access to those players than you would at the minor leagues, spring training, or the big league level. So it's it's a lot of it's a great fan experience. That's sweet, man. And then um, 
So after all that, what really got you in the position you are now to be involved with the Albuquerque Isotopes? So I was riding for baseball prospectus for a couple of years from 2019 until the end of spring training last year, the end of minor league spring training last year. Um, Cause I, obviously with the pandemic, it was harder to get jobs at that point, And I wasn't sure if I wanted to go the PR route or the baseball rider route. And the route that opened up for me was the PR route. So after the end of spring training, um, the Greenwood Drive, they had a position open for the director of media relations there. And I was thankful to get that. Um, and then after a year there, I was like, man, this is, it was a great experience, but I wanted more. I wanted to kind of have better experiences that will help me uh, get to the next level. And this job here opened up. And thankfully, uh, my boss with the OKC Dodgers, uh, Alex Friedman, recommended me to Josh Sushan, the broadcaster for uh, the Topes. And as they say, the rest is history. So, because this, this job really, it, dealing with the media with the media every single day dealing with players every single day doing more extensive game notes making appearances on tv and radio um it's much more up the alley and what in the uh kinds of skills I'll, i need to kind of uh, succeed at the next level and so when i got offered the job i, I was not going to turn it down yeah so i mean uh so i'm assuming like what you're doing here with the isotopes is more responsibility than what you did before 100 percent. that's like like what i'm getting is that's what you really wanted you want more responsibility like put me put me in coach like exactly that's, like, that's, that's, let, that's, give me that shit. that's yeah. the mentality i had for sure man because i want to be able to know everything and how to do everything that a pr guy can would have to do at any level and so um having a vast array of experiences was the kind of job i wanted to be able to have a better resume and make it harder for teams yeah. at the big level to turn me down pretty much. Like, cause yeah, like if big league levels, they're going to look at your resume, like, holy shit, this dude not only did this, that, and the third, but he did four, five, six, seven. Exactly. Like, yeah. And so when, when I have that going for me, yeah, I don't have, I only have two director jobs so far or two head of PR jobs in minor league baseball. But I feel like my experiences in those two, uh, in these past two years have, uh, changed my career path for the better. That, that's sweet, man. I mean, like just like meeting you for that first time, because uh, this is my first season. Mm-hmm. Like compared to what I did before, it's a complete 360. Sure. But I'm 100% baseball guy. Yep. I love baseball more than any other sport. I have teams, but I don't root for those teams like I root for my Red Sox, uh-huh. which I want to get into. Ask you really <laughs> quick is who is your Major League Baseball team? I know who your team yeah. is, but not everyone will know. But go ahead and tell them who your team is. Yeah, so since day one, I was born to be a New York Yankees fan. So <laughs> my mom, she grew up loving Yogi Berra. Like instead of having, you know, the TV stars or Johnny Cash or whoever was big back in her day, instead of Elvis. having instead of Elvis exactly, yeah, she's a huge fan of Elvis. Yeah. So instead of having pictures of Elvis and those guys on her wall, she had Yogi Berra posters. And so cool. one day when Yogi was coaching the Mets after his playing career ended, my mom was at one of the games and she screamed at Yogi, Yogi, I hope you had a great birthday on whatever his birthday is. I don't know offhand. And Yogi Bear came right over and signed her ball. And, and the rest is history. And I grew up a huge Derek Jeter fan myself. Um, 
my parents being professors at a university, we didn't have cable in the house because they wanted us to, you know, read, go outside, not just sit in front of the TV all day. Yeah. So I only had a chance to watch a lot of the, the national games. And back in those days, nine times out of ten, it was going to be the Yankees on TV. And so I got yeah. to watch a lot of Derek Jeter as a young kid. Um, and just not only the way he played on the field, but how he kind of conducted himself off the field. Uh, it really resonated with me as a young kid. And I certainly strive to be the kind of person he is off, off the field and handle himself the way Derek Jeter did. Um, so he's not only my favorite player of all time, but he's one of my favorite people to kind of model myself like, after. Yeah, essentially. Like, uh, like role model-esque and like, if I'm going to mold myself, that's the mold I want. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like granted, I, I know Red Sox fan, but I give credit where credit's due. I give dudes their flowers and Derek Jeter most definitely deserves them. Because he's not like uh, a guy who retires and like really stays away from the game. He's very involved in the he game. He is, yeah. Like not only was, you know, he part owner of the Marlins, that, you know, went to where it went, didn't last very long. Unfortunately, yeah. And which is crazy because he actually left because they didn't, believe in what he wanted to do which is shocking to me honestly. yeah i mean because it really made me even respect him i was like he really wants to win yeah, and if that team didn't want to win i'm gone and he has a very a certain a very specific type of way and path he wants to go about things and i think if ownership or whoever didn't exactly align with that i don't think no matter what it is i think Derek jeter is going to do what he thinks is the best best path and if people who are around him don't agree with that he's gonna leave if even if it's owning an ice cream store or whatever if they don't yeah if they don't definitely. run if they don't run that store just like he thinks it should be run he's not gonna invest his time in it anymore yeah, so that, this goes to show the kind of high character he has and the high bar he sets for himself yeah yeah that's perfectly put because that's exactly like i feel like tough person is i've never met him yeah me neither i've never Never, I think I've I've seen them play before. Mm -hmm. It was when they were playing the Rockies, and I believe it was the same game where my sister fell in love with him. Which you know he was a young dude. She was she was young. You know she asked my uncle. I think she saw him on TV at one point. She was like, "Who is that?" Mm -hmm. My uncle told her that's Derek Jeter, <laughs> and you know like he was a heartthrob. You know like. Like nowadays in baseball, there's not many heartthrobs, uh -oh. but back then he was it. So he captured a nation for sure. Yeah, he did. And I, <laughs> I believe I saw him once. It was when the Rockies, wow, well, speak on it, Rockies were playing the Yankees, and I believe it was oh, I think it was oh eight. Yeah. I can't remember, um, but my sister will probably tell this story a lot better than I would. But she wanted to go down there and meet Derek Jeter. Uh, she took one of my younger cousins down there and pretended that my younger cousin was her daughter to try to move up to the front because he was signing stuff. And yeah, which I give her credit for that. I know my sister will tell the story a lot better than I can. But uh, she unfortunately didn't. Like, she got close. Like, we have pictures. She's damn near really close. But uh, I believe she, she didn't get anything signed by him. But the fact that, like, she did that, like, try to get that close. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. I was like, okay, like, all right. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you ask in like a lot of Yankee fans that Derek Jeter will be up there. And like, I mean, you can't really, you can't hate the guy.
Here we go. Yeah. Okay, I'll edit that out. That's fine. But um But I mean, like I was saying, you can't you can't you can't hate the guy. I mean he in my eyes, he's the most recognizable modern no, I would say he's the most recognizable Yankee. And the most recognizable number as well. For definitely number. I mean, the only person I would say could even rival that is Babe Ruth. Yeah. I mean, it's him. If when you're in that conversation with Babe Ruth, that just goes to show how much of an impact you had, uh, not only in the game but outside the game as well. Yeah. Which I think is extremely valuable, maybe even underappreciated. Yeah. I mean, but I mean that shows yeah, Yankee fan, Red Sox fans can get along. Oh yeah. But I mean, uh, but that's good. I mean, I love hearing your backstory because I wasn't too familiar with it. Sure. So, I mean, not only is anyone who's listening knows, I know now as well. So, mm-hmm. that's pretty great. And then, um, but uh, you did mention that, you know, that you were a lot of in the prospect area first oh, yeah. coming up. And you mentioned to me that you had uh, certain favorite prospects. Oh, yeah. That you probably want to get into and talk about. For sure. I'm happy to do that right now. Yeah, um, go for it. So... There's three three hitters that I want to point out that I think they're steadily climbing the boards. I know one or two of these guys maybe already be near the top of the boards, but these are just my favorite guys in terms of who I think are going to be upper echelon guys okay. at the major league level. Um, first one is Ellie De La Cruz. He's with the Reds right now, double-A affiliate. And, man, this guy's exciting to watch. Like, he is... Tatis Jr. 2.0. He's got close to 80 grade raw power, 70 speed, uh, lightning quick arm, can stick at shortstop for the long term. Um, he's a switch hitter. And some of the the mammoth home runs that he's hit um, are just, they're jaw dropping. Yeah. <laughs> they're tanks. And when he was at double A, he's got promoted maybe three, four weeks ago, his first couple of weeks, yeah, he was struggling a little bit, but he his average rose very quickly over this past these past two weeks of August. Um, he's certainly settled into his role at AA, and he, those numbers that we saw at high A um, kind of returned. So, like, right now he's slashing at AA, um, 284, 323, 580 slugging. So this is a guy, he's got eight stolen bases, and five uh, home runs in 20 games. Um, so he's a guy that can impact the game not only offensively, but also defensively well on the base pass, in the box, and on the uh, at the six hole as well. So this is yeah. a guy, my favorite prospect, I think, right now in the game just because of how uh, many different ways he can impact the game and have a huge, huge um uh, impact, I guess. Yeah, for lack, I mean, of, yeah. For lack of a better I mean, word, pretty shit. much. Like, like we were talking about before we were recording, where I was like, he's basically a mix between Trey Turner and Pete Alonso put together. Exactly. Yeah, like, he's got he's all got that the speed, speed of Trey Turner, power. you know, contact power. But then he's gonna hit a tank four hundred and eighty feet to center field at best. Like, exactly. holy shit. And he has power from both sides of the plate. Yeah, it's not, it's not like, not like he has one now. power like, from one side, but it's both sides of the plate. Oh, man. Next guy is Jordan Walker. He's in double-A with the uh, Cardinals right now in Springfield. Very is he the guy that hit the home run cycle? 
recently? No, no, that no? was that was another guy. Oh, okay, but that okay. was pretty that unbelievable. Was the, yeah, too. that was crazy. Okay, um, well, go ahead. This guy, he's not as fast as De La Cruz, but he's got just as big a power, um, better contact skills. Um, so right now he's striking out 175 to 79 walks. So obviously that's a little bit bigger discrepancy than you'd like, but you can yeah. see he's got decent plate discipline, walking 79 times, slashing 312, 390, 527, 27 home runs. Oh, excuse me, 13 home runs and 27 doubles with Double A Springfield this year. 27 doubles. He plays third base. So obviously with Arnado there, he's probably got to move to right field, and he's already started to make that transition. Um, his bat can play all over the field. And that's just a testament or a test to see if he can stick in right field or not. If he yeah. moved over to um, to DH possibly or wait to go to third base once um, Arenado kind of uh, downturns a little bit. But that's yeah, a number a of years away. So yeah, because he's, um, he's still got some years in him. Arenado still oh, got some years for in him. Sure, yeah. Oh yeah. And the last hitter I want to highlight is Jackson Chirillo. He's a high A in the Brewer system. This kid is just eight. Years old, started off in the Carolina League with the high A, high A team there. With high A, he slashed three twenty four, three seventy three, and he slugged six hundred as an eighteen year old. Was that a little over nine hundred OPS? It's got yeah, be. not nine seventy three. Yeah, this guy he's got he had ten stolen bases, twelve homers, twenty three doubles. He's got eight now. He has eighteen games at uh, high A. Four home runs, four doubles, three steals. Um, he's a guy uh, who has much better plate discipline. He's striking out fifteen times to twelve or to eight walks. So he's that's, gonna, he's he's yeah. that's a much better strikeout to uh, walk ratio right there. Um, and his swing is just beautiful. He's got righty batter, righty batter. Righty. Yep, plays the outfield. Um, Decent speed, as I said, probably sixty grade speed. Not the speed of De La Cruz, but yeah. plenty of speed that will play and get, you know, twenty steals Those a year at the, at the big league. Oh, for Those sure, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and but he's only eighteen years old. This guy is already tearing up high A at eighteen. So this is a guy who's going to be a quick riser. So my guess is. When he hits 20, he might be in the big leagues. Oh, already. yeah. I think so. There's a good chance when he hits 20. Would completely agree with that for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's good prospect list. One thing I did notice, it, 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 it will, I would love to see these guys play, but they wouldn't play the Tokes. Right? Yeah, I think all these guys will be in, in their international in the, league. Yeah, national, yeah. Oh, man. So that's, that's the unfortunate part about it. But... Um, but I mean, it's a good thing they won't play the Tokes for as well, sure. Especially <laughs> I mean, here now, because yeah, because I mean, we don't want four hundred and eighty foot tanks sitting right off the Smiths Pavilion oh, thing no. every single night. You and know I know I mean? these guys would do that here in this elevation, man. There's oh, no man. question about that. Or hit the orbit jump uh, Tokes Tower out yeah, there in right there. field, oh, yeah. And we don't want them stealing on us all the time. So it's a good thing, but damn, it would have been cool to see. It'd been fun to play. watch these guys in person at, in yeah. Albuquerque, that's for sure. But I think. All these guys will be seeing them in the next two, three years max. Yeah. The I big mean, level doing very, very great things up, up there. Yeah. And then to go off of, you know, prospects that you guys, that you had brought up, 
I mean, now let's get into some current baseball news. Mm-hmm. The biggest one, we were already talking about it before we even started recording. The 80-game suspension mm. for PED use, which now we don't even know what the hell he tested for. Yep. Because there's so many stories, which we'll get into. It, Fernando Tatis Jr., 80-game suspension, rest of this year, and 42 games into next year. That, it, wh- okay, so when I found out, we both found out. The same, the same time, same right, time. Yeah, we were in the clubhouse. clubhouse. You're right. We were, Ryan Valade walked by, casually, Tatis got suspended. <laughs> and we're like, for PED use. And we, like, I think we did look at each other like, like what? Are you kidding me? No way. So immediately, we both went to our phones, got to check Twitter, and without no no doubt, he was suspended. Yeah, 80 Jeff, games. Jeff Passon was the first thing on my my feed yeah. when I opened up Twitter. So, I want to get, I want, I want, I want your take on it. Like a quick question to take is, like we'll get into the stories and they know why doing this. You know, get into some quotes by some former players, some former Yankee player. Mm-hmm. But my big question is, what does this do to the rest of the season for the Padres? It's so they were expecting them back. Oh, yeah. It certainly changes their outlook, and it makes that Juan Soto trade now. If they're going to try to have any um, impact, any run in the playoffs this year. Yeah. Because if you don't have, if you don't get Soto, you don't have Tatis, their lineup is not powerful enough to compete with the likes of the Dodgers. No, it's not as scary. I mean, exactly. there's still Machado. You know, like he said in his quote, he's Manny fucking Machado. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it's not as scary. No, it's, it's not. not as scary. So, I, my thing was, if if they can do it without him, more power to them. Mm-hmm. But if they can't, then it probably shows not only the team and the front office, whoever's up there, and the fans, is that you you need Tatis. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, he just he can change the game in so many ways. Like he's probably one of my favorite players just to watch play because of the, the pure athleticism he can show on any given play. It's just absolutely stunning to watch. I mean, but I mean, like, so now, I mean, I want to get into a lot of the the stories that came out, which now there's two different stories. The first one was he was taking, I believe, a steroid or antibiotic for <laughs> "Quote unquote ringworms," mm-hmm. which I know everyone was cracking jokes already. Well, that's the only ring he'll ever get. Oh, so that's that. I was a like, low blow right there. I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> like you cannot stop the internet." And then another story, which I had uh, I had mentioned to you, which you're like, "What?" And it even had me thinking. I was like, "They're just making stuff up from now on." And where Fernando Tatis Senior. His dad says his son's positive PED test came from something in a spray he used to treat a quote-unquote fungus due to a haircut. Man. It's almost speechless. Like, what do you, okay, what do you say to that? Like, I mean, both of those stories are just, I mean, they're hard to believe, honestly. And, man, I I was genuinely shocked when... When it found like it came out, he tested positive for PEDs. He didn't appeal it, so he's not saying, "Oh, it's not true." He's basically saying yes. So, I, again, back to I—I I was genuinely shocked, but I was like, like 
in a way, I was like, that son of a bitch. Like, what are you doing, dude? It made no sense to me. No, I think AJ Pro said it best. It was just, it's just very disappointing. That's all you can say. Like, yeah. Because after what happened in the off season with the alleged motorcycle accident, yeah. um, you and, and as Poe said, you'd hope he would uh, there would be some maturity. And obviously, with the news today, it's more of a pattern. It's something that uh, we've got to dig a bit deeper, more into. And I mean, God, it just you hate it not only for Tatis and the Padres, but for the game as well. Yeah, because I mean, he is a guy that a lot of the young fans really attract to because, I mean, he's so – he, he said he his home run, he pimps all those. He's yeah. so fl- flashy, which is great, I think. Kids love that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, have everyone, fun, right? Does, well, honestly, who doesn't love that? Everyone yeah. loves a little, good little glove flip to second for exactly. a double play. Everyone loves that. Yeah, and I think he just brings so much of that excitement to the game that it's, it's just tough to hear this news, honestly. It, it really – Disappointing because obviously after him being out all this season so far, he was literally a week or two away from coming back from his injury. Yeah. I mean, I was just extremely excited to watch him play again. And in this news, it's just like, man, it's hard to take. I mean, and now speaking of takes, I want to get your quick take on one of your team's former players, mm-hmm. A-Rod, which was on, he was, he has the, uh, the K-Rod show with Michael K, mm-hmm. which uh, recently, well, uh, Sunday, a couple of days ago, they had Derek Jeter on, by the way. Yep. Which was actually pretty cool to see. Which, judging by their body language, it seems like A-Rod and Derek Jeter are fine. Yep. There's I mean, no, no hard feelings. It's, it's been 20 years, yeah, you know. It's been, <laughs> it's been it's forever yeah. ago. Like, all right. But uh, a quote that A-Rod had said, which, you know, if you're going to want a quote from anybody about this, it kind of would be A-Rod. I mean, it, he it lived speaks it. for itself. So, he said... I wasn't angry. I was heartbroken because to make a mistake at 22 or 23 years old, that's going to affect you for maybe 60 years. Now, the thing that you said was, why so specific on 60 years? Yeah, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get that, but his, his broader point has definitely been made. Yeah. Because it's certainly going to tarnish his legacy, like we all know with A-Rods, because even though he's done a lot of good things and kind of tried to redeem himself over the years— there's still that A-Rod that people can't forget. And yeah. I'm hoping this won't happen to Tatis, but after what's happened, especially after the two stories have come out and the motorcycle accident, he's certainly going down more of A-Rod's path than uh, anybody would like, I would think. Yeah, and then continuing off of what A-Rod said, he continued... And added, I was hoping a lot of these young kids learn from my debacle and my mistakes. I have gone to the lowest ground. I have gone to ground zero. And he's not wrong. So that's why that, like, that quote, like, means more. Because A-Rod was there. And and I alluded to it earlier uh, when we were talking a while ago. was like, if Tatis did it, then own it. Like exactly. just just admit it, own it. Everyone will get over it. Like, and everyone may have like you know like little things to say about you, but that's that's just how the world is. And that's what A Rod did. He uh, he admitted it. He owned it. Like he still owns it to this day. And does anyone really care? No. But do people do hate the guy? Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like t- 
to get it off your back and be like, okay, well, like just just own it already, because people will just be like, okay, it's it's easier for them to be like, it's 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 easier for people not to make fun of you when you've already done it. Exactly. So it's like, if you're gonna admit it, well, I can't give you shit for it because you already admitted it. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. Tatis just if 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 he's gonna release a statement, which he like, I know he did, but like just if you did it, own it, say you did it. Just don't do it anymore. He's young, so he's still got maybe 10 years left. At least. I mean, his contract's good for 13, I think, right? Yeah. So <laughs> is, oh, you better man. have at least 10 years in him or the Padres are going to be upset. I mean, but, yeah, you, owning it from the from the get-go will help your legacy a lot more and not tarnish it as much as it, he's already done it with uh, how things have kind of unrolled yeah. the past couple of days. But, I mean, it's it was it, it really was like, a huge shock in the baseball world was like really like him but and then I, I, I and it just hit me right now I had me thinking and I want to know if you think it's like was he only doing this th- doing that this year or mm-hmm. was it like a 2020 and maybe 2019 when he was you know cracking was it 43 homers that year sure it's a good question I mean I think in his first release he said that he tested negative in March of 2022. Um, so unless he found some way to get around those tests, I mean, you got to think that this is an isolated event. Maybe he did it to help his wrist or to help his legs get back underneath him yeah. after sitting out for so long. Um, but until I hear otherwise, I, I got to think that this is an isolated event because of how things kind of happened for him in the off season coming into this year and, trying to rehab back to the and get back to the level he was at the previous couple of years. Yeah. Cause I mean, I had me thinking, I was like, well, if he did take whatever he took, he really had no reason to other than to get his body right. Cause not like he was playing exactly. he wasn't playing, Yeah, which he took it thinking, got to get my body right. I'm about to play whatever it is. But then he, he just, he just got caught. That's mm-hmm. all it was. Yeah. So, you feel bad for him, but in some ways, I'm glad he got caught because obviously, I'm a guy who, if you ever get caught with steroids, especially Bonds, Sosa, all those guys, out of the Hall of Fame. Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm glad that he got caught because I don't want the game to be tarnished any more than it already has been uh, from the '90s and all that mm-hmm. big debacle. So, but that's all in all, it's unfortunate. For Tatis, unfortunate for Padres fans. Uh, I remember when the news broke. Uh, I'm in uh, uh, fantasy baseball league. Mm-hmm. The moment it broke, mm. the chat, the group chat we had going immediately started flooding, oh, I and bet. we're just roasting the guy who was a Padres fan because he had wow. Tatis like stashed on the IL spot, and we're just roasting him the whole time. Like, oh man, he didn't reply until hours later, and was just like. I'm going to dig myself in a hole. Leave me alone. <laughs> like, just, oh, man. So we really gave it to him, like, just giving him shit. But, oh, man, that's what, oh, no, that's unfortunate for Tatis and the Padres. But hopefully, I mean, they're in a wild card spot. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they can hold on to it. They don't have a huge lead in it. I believe it's only it's just one game, which, or if not, I think, no, they're not in last place because I believe the Cardinals have the last spot. Or the Phillies have the last spot, and I think Padres are a game ahead. Checking it right now. So right now, 
Padres are in the second spot. They're half a game. Oh wow! Okay. Half ahead of the Philadelphia Phillies in that third spot, five and a half out or six, excuse me, behind the Braves. Um, but I like their chances honestly because you really got only a handful of teams at most vying for that those three wild card yeah. spots in the National. You got the Braves, Padres, Phillies, Milwaukee. Then I guess we can throw San Francisco in there. They're six out. Milwaukee's only a game and a half out of the Phillies. And the Padres are probably the most complete team out of those the between them, the Phillies, the Brewers, and the Giants, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of what they got offensively, Padres' bullpen has been pretty good this year. Yeah. Their starters, they have the guys. They just haven't been healthy or been performing at the level they should. Um, so I think... Padres have the best chance to make that wild card spot, even without Tatis, just based on who's on their team right now yeah. and their ability. I mean, and then I I do believe that they'll make a a wild card spot. I think they'll have a good chance. And I know everyone was judging them that they got swept by the Dodgers. You know, it kind of Dodgers really toyed around with their starters. Like they they had Manaya, they had mm-hmm. Darvish, and I forgot the third pitcher they faced, but they really hit him around. Nia Darvish, Snell. Oh, Snell, Snow, that's right. They had Blake Gore Snow. until they traded him. Yep. Um, Blake Snow, who then Joe started. Musgrove. And uh, like everyone's saying, oh, we they swept him. Like, that Soto didn't help him. Blah, blah, blah. But it's like, it's the Dodgers, though. Like, you can't, yeah. you can't judge them just based on, I mean, they got swept. You get, it's one right. series, but. One series, but, I mean, you can't. Be like, oh, they're done because they're not. No. So, but I mean that. We'll, we'll, I see it. I'm always a big guy where it's like I I like to look ahead. Mm-hmm. Where it's like okay, like I I was mentioning before, like speaking like on my Red Sox, we have the Pirates and the Orioles coming up. All right, let's win. We got the six games. Let's win five out of six, and then we're back in the playoff spot. I like to look ahead. So, as long as the Padres themselves be like, all right, we got this, this, and that. They're still in it. I, I mean, I fans agree. think the same too. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Phillies have enough defense or pitching. Brewers, their defense is really and pitching is really good. Offense is not the best. So I think the Padres are just the most complete team out of those three um, to hold on to a spot in the, the playoffs. Yeah. But I mean, speaking of complete teams and incomplete teams. A team just lost a manager. The fourth manager to be fired this year. And that was Chris Woodward for the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. Which, in 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 previous episode, one of the uh, early episodes, I, me and my former co-host, we made predictions of winners, you know, MVP winners, Cy Young winners. We were going to do manager winners. We ended up not doing it, but he was actually going to be my pick for manager mm-hmm. of the year because of the Marcus Simeon deal, the Corey Seager deal. Like I didn't have them winning the AL West, but if they make a wild card spot and maybe in a playoff spot, I think that would put them at manager of the year. And now, well, that's the complete opposite now because he just got fired. Uh huh. It's been a hard, hard sledding for the Rangers down there in Texas. They're fifty-one and sixty-three right now. Um, I know I think both Simeon and Seager got off the kind of cold starts of the year, so they're kind of the uphill battle from the very beginning. 
Uh, Woodward has been there for a number of years now. Um, so I'm not too surprised to see him go just based on the lack of success they've had over the last couple of years. And um, they got a couple of guys at the AAA level who are coming. Josh Young just came back from injury. So th- their lineup is set up pretty good for the future with those two guys and then Josh Young, third baseman. Um, but just the pitching is where they need to, to kind of improve a lot over the next couple of years if they want to have any chance in the AL West because, as we know, the Manners are here to stay. Astros are here to stay. Yeah. So having those two guys right in front of you and having to try to leapfrog those guys, that's it's an uphill battle. So I don't, I don't believe I ran this by you. I might have maybe like one time in the clubhouse, but you speak on their pitching. I had, even in the early uh, episode, I had a prediction where I had Jack Leiter – Mm-hmm. Already no. starting for them next year. Really? For next for 2023. Oh, 2023. Okay, excuse 2023. Me. Okay. And I had the Rangers spending some money and getting Jacob deGrom. Wow. One, Jacob deGrom, one, Jack Leiter, two. That, that would be one a heck of a one two punch right yeah, there. Oh so my I mean, gosh. That was my prediction. I was like, if, 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 Jacob DeGrom, I don't know, would just kind of look good in Texas Rangers uniform. And mm-hmm. then, like, I, I I just had it in vision where he's in, in, in the dugout. Like, he's not starting or nothing, but he's in the dugout, and Jack Leiter's right there next to him, like, just feeding off of him. And, like, who best to learn from than Jacob DeGrom? I mean, he's by far the best pitcher in our game yeah, today. he is. Um, and for Jack to be able to learn from someone like him on a day-in and day-out basis – that just raises his ceiling even higher. Yeah. That would, that would, that would be something to watch for sure. And I hope it'd be fun to watch. I mean, who knows if it's going to happen or not. Um, but man, yeah, it's just the Rangers. They got a, they got a new ballpark there down in Arlington now. Yep. Um, so hopefully they can put together some nice clubs. Cause I mean the, uh, the 2020 NLCS was there and the world series was, was there and it was, a lot of fun to watch those games in that venue, even on TV. I can't imagine yeah. what it's like to be in, in person there. So just for the sake of that ballpark and uh, what it can, how new it is and how nice it is, they want to be able to show that off. And so hopefully they can uh, find some firepower on the mound to get that uh, the rebuild going a little quicker. And they got Kumar Rocker this year in the draft. So yeah, that could too. be fun to see former, two former Vandy boys maybe one day. One two punch there. So. I was really excited about that too. I was like, family reunion. Yeah, they're, they're back together, and I know like I follow both of them on social media, and they were both going back and forth on each other, posting oh, little, I'm sure. little pictures, little videos. Like, like there's like that one little video where like that kid is like running to the other kid on the sidewalk, like all little. Oh and yeah. I was like, yep. There's Jack Ryder <laughs> and Kumar Rocker right there running back at each other. That is awesome. Because I mean, because I watched that World Series. Oh the yeah, Vandy one. I know. They ended up losing, mm-hmm. but I watched that World Series because I wanted to see Jack Ladder and Kumar Rocker pitch. Because I'm, I don't know if you know, but I'm I I'm a pitcher guy. I favor mm-hmm. pitchers more, but that's always how I've been. I mean, my one of my favorite players of all time is a pitcher, and that's Randy Johnson. Mm. So, but I mean, pitchers, I I like I favor pitchers more. Sure. So it was real. It's going to be really cool to see. I hope it works out for him. It's going to be a really fun story to watch over the next decade. Yep. Oh, man. 
But I mean, uh, one thing that we can probably touch on a little bit before we get into, you know, like our last ending story that we want to talk about, which is what everybody was talking about, but we'll get into a little later is, well, two things. First off, feel the dreams game happened Mm -hmm. and it was Cincinnati Reds, Chicago Cubs over there in Iowa. Um, The views on that game were 3.1 million, which is less than half of last year's with the Yankees and the White Sox. Mm-hmm. So I, I I believe I told you why I feel it was less than half, but why why do you think it was less than half? I mean, I think first off it's it wasn't the Yankees. I mean, we all know like him or lo- like him or hate him, the Yankees are going to draw both in person and on TV. So it's hard to compare any other teams besides really the Dodgers and uh, the Red Sox in terms of viewership. Um, so I think that right there uh, is going to hurt the ratings for sure. And two, it's the second year. Obviously having the first year, first game there, that was extremely special. ton of more lights. I think, I think it's just hard to compare year one to year two because it's not as new and fresh. People are kind of more used to it. Um and it just obviously it's a fantastic idea, and I hope MLB keeps it because it's really really yeah, cool. I think definitely. Um, but I wouldn't get too flustered or too too concerned with these numbers just based on year number two, because no matter what, they're going to fluctuate based on matchups, you yeah. know. And having the Reds, having two teams that are under five hundred, I think there was Red, Reds and the Cubs. Now the Cubs, obviously, they're a huge team. They get tons of viewers themselves, just like they're probably in the big four, the Yankees, Red Sox, and Dodgers. Yeah. Um, but just the way those two teams' seasons has played out so far, I'm honestly not too shocked that the viewership was down that much. Yeah, neither was I because, for one, last year's um, Phil of Dreams game, there was no other games going on. Yeah, it was that, just that one. Exactly. And for this one, it was going on with other teams playing. So I think that's what kind of like, like turned people off from playing, yeah, exactly. something like that. You know what I mean? So, but I mean, I I it, I loved it when they first announced it. I think it was like, like 2019, I believe, because it wasn't in 2020. Mm-mm. Yeah, it might might have been in 2019 where they st- had the idea and yeah. didn't come to fruition until 2021. And then, because I I love that, I hope to go one day. I mean, that'd be oh amazing. Man. Like, yeah, I've never been to the, even the movie site, and to go there and watch a game in a cornfield, that's got to be super special. Yeah, I mean, because I, I would have loved to go last year, especially not only Yankees, Reds, uh, White Sox, because that's the movie. Yeah, exactly, the movie. And then, but Kevin Costner was there. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, um, damn. Uh, I forgot who. I don't think anyone else was there, but just the fact that he was there, you know, saying the line like, "Is this heaven?" Like all that. That's just just bad. I would love to be there for that. Oh man, that would have been so good. Uh, but bouncing off that, we got they. Well, MLB released like no more than like like four hours ago the uh, 2022 postseason dates, which the one that really 
stuck out to me was game seven goes if there's a game seven is November 5th which I think this is the first time it's gone that far I think so yeah I mean you got four games in November um, super rare both these it's this expanded playoff format that's gonna happen the wild card series starts October 7th no off days in that which I love yet October 7th 8th and 9th all four wild card matchups will be completed by then and then Division series starts on the 11th. I'm not sure why they have the AL taking a day off after game one. Yeah. Um, but it's neither here nor there. But I think overall, I like this schedule a lot. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's just... Playing into November is going to be very, very different. I mean, cause especially that late in November. Because, I mean, obviously, you have Derek Jeter's Mr. November call yeah. from way back when. So they've done it before, but... Those extra three games are going to be pushed back to November. Um, ALCS and NLCS starts October 18th. ALCS October 19th. Both back on Fox and TBS. Um, so I'm looking forward to it, man. I think it's going to be a lot of fun playoffs matchups this year. Um, it's going to feel more like maybe March Madness feel with that expanded f- format, don't you yeah. think? Yeah. I think so. I think you're right. And then the fact that the wild card is best of three now, not a best of one, which I know yep. a lot of people didn't want it because last year Dodgers and Cardinals felt like it should have been like at least a three gamer mm-hmm. because Cardinals had such a huge run that got them in that position. Yep. I mean, Dodgers were in a wild card spot because Giants just happened to win, you know, a hundred plus games. But that one really felt like a three-gamer. Now, going back to last year, Red Sox-Yankees, speak on it, felt like it should be a one-gamer. Like, that's no, that's one game. Do or like, die, right? Yes, that's... do or die, one game, you sell it. Red Sox-Yankees, Fenway, or, you know, it could have been at New York at Yankee Stadium, but no, that's a one-gamer. But, oh, Cardinals-Dodgers, oh, three-gamer, give the, give the Cardinals a chance. Don't say it's like, ah, oh, like... People are kind of mixed, but like I, I don't mind the best of three. I mean, I like it a lot, especially because a lot of almost all series in baseball are three or four games. Yeah. So it's that was the one component that really sold me on the expanded playoffs. Mm-hmm. Was the extra was a three game set in the wild card? Wasn't just one game off or not? Three games. Let the best team win. The top, the higher wild card seed will be home for all three matchups. Um, that that like I said, that to me it was the main reasons why I was okay with the expanded playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't mind that expanded playoff thing like at all. I was like, like, oh, okay, just adding two more teams, one on each side. So, like, okay, like mm-hmm. it, it really, it really, really, really didn't bother me. And then I like I was scrolling through the comments here, and they were saying like, well, why is Game Seven potential Game Seven on November fifth? Is it because the season started late? And I was like, no, because they made up all their games in season. This is mm-hmm. because of the expanded playoffs. Exactly. It's not because the season started late. Exactly. But I'm I'm excited. I mean, if you if if I ask you right now, who is your matchup for the World Series, and in how many games mm. is the winner going to take? Man, um, great question. 
I'll go NL first because I don't want my bias to come out okay. immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I have to go with the Mets. The Mets, because when you got a healthy Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, and I'll say it again, when you have a healthy Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer, Keyword. that team is almost unbeatable in a seven-game series because you're going to have those guys throw four of the seven games, maybe even some innings in that game number seven, too. So when they can cover that many innings, I don't see how it's even possible for them to lose in any series. Um, in the AL, obviously it's going to be the Yankees or the or the Astros. And to me, that whoever wins the American League is going to come down to whoever wins home field advantage for the playoffs. Yeah, because, okay. Right, I didn't mean to stop you right no, there, but I'm, I'm a big believer in wherever you're playing matters. For because sure. Because I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to it. Last year, if that if, if our wild card game didn't happen at Fenway, we're losing without a doubt. If that wild card game was in New York City, in the Bronx, we would have lost. Because it's hard to disagree with that, yeah. You cannot beat a home crowd with... Like I don't, I I'm pretty sure you saw the wild card game. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like with the Fenway crowd, it. like taunting Garrett, Garrett, like that can get to you for sure. And the Yankees have been snake bitten at Fenway Park for a number of years now. So I mean that, especially in that rivalry, when it's so heated and contested, even though it's simmered since the early 2000s, Fenway Yankee Stadium that's a huge advantage. Huge. And same, I think with Minute Maid Park, the Yankee Stadium. Yeah, it's I mean, that can swing a series on its head. Like I think, regardless, aside from Dodger Stadium and Dodger fans, but no other NL stadium like scares anybody, or, or no other fans do. But there are like three stadiums on the American League that a lot of like teams are probably like, "Oh shit, damn I don't want to go there." Back to Minute Maid, back to Yankee Stadium, back to Fenway. Oh man, yep. those damn fans! Like, so I'm a big believer in like home field advantage for for baseball really matters. I, I agree. don't care what no one says. Like, I think it does matter. It's a familiarity thing. It's also an intimidation thing. Yes. So no matter what anybody says, it's totally different for the Yankees to run out on Yankee Stadium for a home crowd or Fenway Park. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it seems we always play a little bit tighter when we're at Fenway. Yeah. That's just how I see it. That's how I see it, but uh, that's, home field is huge in my opinion in this in this upcoming uh, ALCS. And then I'm so glad that you picked the Mets because I had the Mets winning the division way early in the season. Right, I yeah. had them winning the East, uh, NL East, long before the season started. So I'm, and then they're in first place right now. They're five and a half games ahead of the Braves, which I I don't I don't think the Braves will catch up to them. And I think it was because of that five-game set that yep. they played. Mets took four out of five. That really, really hurt them. Instead of being five and a half games back, they could have been, you know, possibly a half game back. But because of that five-game set, losing four out of five to the Mets, I think it really hurt them. But 
I have the Mets going a really long way <laughs> on the NL side. I know everyone's like, oh, the Mets are going to Met. No, not this year. It's not happening. The Mets, the Mets are going to go far. I, I, I'm rooting for them. I really, really am. It'd be, it's at this point the Mets. They've had so many. I don't know what you even call them. Just Mets things happen to them. Yeah. I think this could be the year where the, the where the table, the tides might turn on them just a little bit. I would yep. agree with that. I mean, but I mean, as of right now, I, I'm not too happy with where the Sox are at. By no means, we're four and a half games back from a wild card spot. I oh man, but yeah, I, when you're when you're behind the Orioles, no, that that right no, there to me <laughs> just says eh, next year. I I, I <laughs> damn sure hope so, but I oh man, but I mean it it we got less than. Less than two months left of regular season ball, and then we get into the postseason, which is crunch time. It's going to be mm. so much fun. Best this year. baseball there be is. I think it's going to be so much fun this year. And but I'll, I'll have to tell you, if the Yankees end up going to the World Series, I will be rooting for whichever NL team is. I don't blame you. I always say the same thing when the Sox go. So. Oh, man. Oh, well, you know what? Real quick before we get to our final story, I have a quick yeah. question. Last year, during the ALCS, Red Sox and Houston, who did you go for? Um, the Braves and the Dodgers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Neither. I, I had a thing. I was like, okay, good. All right. All right. I'll take that. Yeah. Because I, was, I know Yankee fans were like flustered. Like, who do I go for? Well, nobody. It's a lose, it's lose, lose. Yeah. Way. A, you lose, lose all the way. Uh, but to get into the final story, um, the story that was all over social, all over MLB, no matter what account it was. On MLB Network, MLB on Fox, John Boy, Baseballism, you name it, it's the Winton Bernard story. Mm. And first, first, I want to get your your initial thoughts when it all happened. So when I got the text, so earlier that day, Winton had two interviews. One at like four o'clock when they when they when they just finished BP, then one at four thirty. And both of them were asking very similar questions. Man, you've done so much this year. When's it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? What do you gotta do? All that kind of stuff. Interviews finished around four forty five or so. I went back up to the press box. Then I get a text from Schaefer at five eleven. It says Vlade in Straight up switch for Bernard. As soon as I got that text, I was running down to the clubhouse. So he, the text didn't say he's getting called up. No. But you, you put it, pieced it together. Because I knew Daza hurt his shoulder that day. Yeah. And I was like, dude, this has to be it. It's not just some freak thing that Bernard, like he didn't sneeze. and Because how much can happen between in a 20-minute window from when I last saw Witten from when I got that text from, from Schaefer. A shit load happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, damn. I guess that's fair, but like how many bad things could have happened oh, right. to get, yeah, to get yeah. him scratched in the lineup, you know? But then when I got that text, I went down and then it confirmed my suspicions because everyone was just elated down there. Yeah. It was... So when you got down to the clubhouse, when when did you get there? 
probably five thirteen, five fourteen. Did you get there like after Schaefer announced it? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, so, so I, I wasn't. So, I was in the clubhouse when all the players were, you know, seated in their chair in the clubhouse. Like mm-hmm. everyone was there, and Jeff, who is the other uh, clubhouse assistant in there, asked me, "Is like, is there a team meeting?" And I was like, "I, I don't know." Like, usually, like we don't know, but like everyone was there, so like mm-hmm. I'm, I peeked in. Uh, I see Schaefer standing by the TV by. The, the cooler down there. Yeah, the cooler down yeah. there. So, and he turns the volume down, and I was like, oh, okay, he's going to say something. He says, after 11 years in the minor leagues, Witt and Bernard's going to the big leagues. Everybody went nuts. <laughs> Everybody went crazy. Like, when Bernard, like, went down, like, to his knees, was, like, yelling, like, pumped up. Like, he was about to just, like, like, like he could have steamrolled anybody who was in front of him. Like he was like he went right to the middle. Everyone's like not dogpiling, but like really like getting close to him. He was down. He was in, you know, in tears. Like he was just ecstatic. And even I was like, damn, like, like I, I felt I was going up. Like I was yeah, like, oh, I mean, shit. Like and then after after that, like I don't want like I'm not gonna like say like what was said and stuff because that's you know like what goes on in the clubhouse is one thing but of course mm-hmm. everyone saw the video of him calling his mom yep. which is completely heartfelt oh, in its own but like like he he gave his little like thank you speech to everybody and I was like like you're really like damn like like even if you didn't know the guy like how can you not like be completely damn happy for the dude exactly I mean yeah I mean just to know what he went through, he 11 years in the minor leagues, a couple of years of winter league ball in three different foreign countries, 35th round draft pick. We don't even have that anymore in the draft. It's only 20, 20 rounds now. And for him to continue to remake and get better at his craft and you hear the story about him changing his swing in the offseason with Phil Plantier, man, it's just it's a, an incredible story of perseverance, not just – for a baseball fan, but for anybody in general. Yeah. And I think one of the coolest comments I saw on Twitter um, was from some mom that said, I'm going to show my two boys this to let them know that no matter what, never give up, give up on your dreams. And that yeah. right there is just like the pinnacle of why I think sports is so important in our lives. Yeah. Because it teaches you so many life lessons and it can help you to be such a great person and to do much bigger things than you even thought you could do. I mean, cause like, like, I, Oh man, I don't even know because like, like the whole, like, I think everyone was saying it like throughout this season was going on. Everyone's like, when is he going to get called up? Like, I know I like you asked some of the players, well, why isn't he called up? Well, it's like, Oh, he's his age, this, that, whatever, man, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but, Dude, like he, he argue not arguably, he's the best player right now. Yeah, I mean, not he's, anymore because he's he was on the Rockies. He now. was an MVP candidate for the P in the PCL. Yeah, and he player of the player of the month in July. Yep. And I was like, even like, and Jeff kept asking like, when is he getting called up? Like, why haven't they called him up? And even I was like, at the point I was like, this dude's bad. I I don't believe he hit below three hundred the whole well, season. I mean, he he was leading the league in batting after he got called up. I mean. Homer's crazy. Stolen bags, 
crazy. He was, he was on the leaderboard in 12 different categories. Damn. Stolen bases, on-base slugging, home yeah. runs, runs, RBIs, extra base hits, total bases. Literally every category you'd want to be on the leaderboard for, he was on it. Yeah, and like and you know, top of it too, not just on it, like yeah. in the top five. Yep, because I'm because I follow the MILB account on Instagram, and they post like I think like I think like every week or something on you know their top players where Winston Bernard's always freaking oh yeah on. <clears throat> he's always freaking on it. And by the way, uh, they posted recently Brandon Gold's on there. Yeah, he the just pitcher. I just so, saw it. I was like, hell yeah, hell so yeah. Today, today he won uh, PCL pitcher of the week. Yep, I saw that. I was like, hell yeah, good for him. And then. The other thing was crazy is that night Brandon Gold pitched, and I think he went. What did he go through? Six shutout. Six shutout. Two hits. That's it. And you and they scored what? I think four or five runs in that first inning. Yeah. That I mean, right? You could just sense that there was a level of enthusiasm and excitement in that dugout, even from up top where I was in the press box. You could just yeah. sense that they were like jacked and amped up because they were just so excited for Witten because yeah he's a great player but he is an outstanding person like one of the best you're ever going to meet there's no one who deserved this more than him I mean it, no. he is just I mean you, I'm not sure what else to say because he is just there's no, there's no way to describe him because he, he's just that great of a person it's just that simple and he and he was like I know like not a lot of people that are, are like looking at the story or videos like like personally know him I mean, we don't personally know him. No, I have known him like, for five months, yeah. For nothing, but like, yeah, like same from, I'm only five months, but it's like, but hanging around him there, like when he walks through those double doors and, you know, like we're standing there, he's like right away walking to us, already fist bumped, yeah, ready, that like big walking smile to on us, his face. Like, like, hey, how you doing, Chris? Like, like oh, it's like it's chilling winds, like, oh, how you doing? Like, that's how he is. Yep. And it's like, yeah, there's really no one more deserving, man. Yeah, he is. That was such... In my, in my opinion, it's the story of the year in baseball. I think so. Like, especially like that. Like, last year it was probably, you know, Trey Mancini, mm-hmm. you know, with the cancer and then him competing in the home run derby and getting far that he did in the home run derby. Yeah. He might have been in this year. Witten Bernard. Like, they was just badass. Yeah, and then man. that same, uh, it was about the day after when he made his debut, mm-hmm. uh, we uh, watched his debut. And it was crazy because oh, man. that night what a lot of people don't know is we were supposed to play that game it was a 705 game yep. it was a 640 start for the Rockies there was rain for mm-hmm. our game got delayed ended up not playing but I was like even Jeff had told me he's like dude it rained out because we we're meant to see his debut oh yeah because everybody was in the clubhouse like waiting for the delay but they're all eyes on TV yeah, watching Wynn Bernard if you got five outs into that game eight I think it was eight minutes in yeah like <laughs> dude they'd be yeah, be I'm very lucky that we were able to watch that that game his debut yeah. and not have to focus on our game because that was the story of the night and that's what I know everybody in the stands and in the clubhouse and the press box they wanted to see him play. Yeah. That was on the forefront of their minds was that. And the thing that even blew my mind is like, I went down to the dugout, like I think when it was still raining or after, you know, to get some stuff and they had his, his debut on the jumbo truck. Oh yeah. And the fans were going nuts. Yeah. Josh was calling over the PA. Yeah. He was essentially doing what he would by play by play on the radio yeah. over the, the PA system. And it was, 
amazing. The fans were going nuts. Everybody knows who he. Who, oh yeah. Like especially here in Albuquerque, they know when he was a fan favorite last year. Yep. But and voted like, by the fans. Like it was just, the fans were going nuts, and I was like, it, like damn, like because the fact that this is my first season here, I never knew what it felt like. Like I've already been in the clubhouse where I think four players have gotten called up. Mm-hmm. It feels freaking awesome. Like you feel oh, yeah. happy for him. But this one was like so much more, especially probably for everybody there down here, press box with you guys where you're yeah. just like, like, oh, like we all felt it. Like it was like, like, like you said earlier, like we all got called up pretty much. Yeah, Cause exactly. It, was, it just impacted that many people. I mean, damn. But I. Yeah, it was just an incredible story, and I was so glad you guys did your thing and got it everywhere, and it was everywhere Yeah, I mean, for, like, four days, three days straight. I mean, everywhere. All those videos, like, the video of him talking to his mom almost has 700,000 views. The video we put out has almost 40,000 views on our, on Isotope's Twitter. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to have some contacts that, made it a lot easier for that thing to go viral because I know Joe Traub and I, we spent probably 45 minutes just tagging anybody and everybody on Twitter that we thought could help this story get big. And luckily enough, honestly, what made it get big was just Witten himself. That's yeah. that's why the story got big. And uh, I know we're both extremely lucky just to be a part of it in some small way. Yeah, I mean, because holy shit, like, like we're so happy for him, man. Like, we, like... It was so crazy because, like, as he was, like, I don't know if it's, like, weird for me to say this, but, like, as fans were coming into the ballpark to, like, like walking in, like, his car is parked there and we're loading his stuff up. Mm-hmm. Like, if only you guys knew, but, of course, they didn't. Oh, like, no. It, they didn't. Like, now it's, I guess, I guess kind of okay to say because it it's already happened. But, like, I'm, like, like, if only you guys knew what was going on, like, Oh shit! It'd be a, it would be a sh- big show back there. That's for sure. Yeah. Fans would be crowded around, hooting and hollering. That's for sure. Yeah, but I mean, like, it, like baseball does what it does. You know, it, it it has its way of doing things. So all respect to that. But I'm like, damn! If only y'all knew. Shit. But, but they got it next the next day. You know, the, it it was crazy. Like you guys did it. Like basically, you guys did your job. Like. It happened that night. The game happened. We won. Next day, it was blown up. Exploded. It, yeah. it, it was everywhere by the morning. And I was like, and then when was it? Didn't didn't we first see the story on MLB Network in Ryan's office? It was. Yeah. So it was. Yep. Yeah. It was. Um. It was early in the day too. It was Jake Peavy. Talking, who else was there? I can't. Oh, really, it was Jake definitely Jake Peavy talking. He was like, he, he, "Yeah, seeing on MLB Network that made it extremely real for me." I was like, "Holy cow, this thing is impacting the game at every single level." Yeah, this story was just, yeah, to see MLB Network pick that up was really gratifying for Witten, especially. I mean, it was because he deserved, like we said, he deserves this more than anybody else. Yeah, he he really did, and like. Um, his debut, he got his hit, his first hit, first stolen base, and first run scored, yep. and that was just incredible. By the way, the umpire who was co- umpiring first base, horrendous call. By the way, mm. he was blind. Like, dude, good lord, oh my gosh! 
But he was safe. Hit. Awesome. Yep. I and like I saw a Dallas Braden tweet that said it's so on point for his first hit to be what it was because he had to work so hard to get to the big leagues. And he also had to work so hard just to get that first hit. He had oh, to bust it, out, bust it out the box, sprint the entire way. And he, at he the, it, in the end, mile. he earned it, you know? I did not. Dallas Braden tweeted about it. Yeah, about the hit. I did not know that. That's yeah. so cool because Dallas Braden is like my hope to get on the podcast one day because his IQ is through the damn oh, he's, space. Yeah. Like his, his, he's way up there. But I did not know that. And I followed Dallas Braden on Twitter too, so surprised I didn't see that one. But, I mean, all in all, the story, Wynton Bernard, number 36 on the Rockies now, playing center field for him. It's just an incredible story. I mean, if that doesn't get you to be like, damn, I'm not going to give up on whatever I'm doing, then I don't know what will. Yeah, that, like, that to me is the ultimate story of perseverance yeah. you'll ever hear. And it, it was like, it was probably such badass, like for you and I both to just be there on at the game every single day watching them play hitting leadoff hitting oh, leadoff yeah. homers on the first pitch yeah like oh Did man it six times this year shit man but incredible story i mean if i mean whoever's listening if you haven't seen it then the hell where you, where you been yeah where you been at like oh man but uh i mean that's kind of where I want to end it right there on that high Nova story because that's just it was just incredible it's a perfect a ending experience. really really a bad ex experience uh, well thank you thank you for us for uh, allow for coming on the podcast taking this time for out sure, man. thank you for having me for a little bit uh, hopefully you can come on again I'm always yeah, I'm maybe, happy to for sure maybe man. like World Series preview or something if oh, your yeah. Yankees are in if your Yankees are in I definitely would like oh, a yeah. World Series preview with you to get I'd, your take on everything. Absolutely. Like, you know I would be in on every single angle there is for that for that series. So yeah, I'll be dissecting it left and right. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that happens. Uh, hopefully we can get you back on. Uh, good luck on everything that's going on with you with the Topes. We got about six weeks or so left. Yeah, we like four home stands left. Yep. You got. We got. If you count. We have one in a two weeks against Round Rock. Then we have two back-to-back against El Paso and OKC. And then the final three Then the games. final three against yeah. El Paso. Which we do have a doubleheader in, on September 7th That's right, against yeah. El Paso. So 13 for that games makeup. in 13 days, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we'll see that. So, we got a lot of games left. Good luck on everything that you're doing. Appreciate it, man. You um, too. Badass what you're doing. And good luck with the Topes. Because they're fighting. They're fighting hard. They're fighting hard, got, man. They're a good squad. That's for sure to be yeah, around. Yeah, they are. But uh, thank you again for coming on. Uh, hope to get you on again. And whoever's listening out there, thank you for listening. Thank you to Believe Podcast Network. I didn't I didn't thank them in the beginning of the podcast. I just realized right now. <laughs> thank you to Believe Podcast Network. Thank you to everyone listening. And we'll see you in the next one.